Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Sample Hour. So this was a cool special episode that I did with uh, some guys from uh, Hunter Motz's community. And actually, uh, a couple of them had actually been listening. I was actually surprised I got out there and people had actually listened to my show. And I felt uncomfortable like I normally do. But they were all super cool dudes. We did this mixed mental arts meetup uh, at... Uh, World of Beer Easton. So if you are in the Ohio area, I, I talked the guys into we're going to try to do that every every second Tuesday. It'll just be a, a kind of a fellowship thing where you can get together and have some interesting conversations. Uh, it, was a, it was a really good time. So I was really happy. I was very skeptical going out. So James had wanted to record this podcast there. And uh, I'm actually glad we didn't because six people on a mic set once with that just meet each other i already am terrible at interrupting people as you guys know like it's so bad like i i was listening and i'm like god drew just stop interrupting so trying to get better but it's just kind of who i am it's it's a it's something i got to deal with so definitely check out um i mean so definitely enjoy this episode so a couple new th- oh yeah so check out James Miller he is the coolest humans podcast if you just go Google search the coolest humans there's also gonna be a link in the show notes uh, very very cool guy um, he doesn't say much which maybe makes him cooler but I'm just joking around James and uh, Adam Henson he's the author of outsmart your instincts he's actually a pretty cool guy he makes he is a business owner in the innovation stream and he actually shares some examples of some projects that uh uh his company has done and it was actually before he got there but he he's it's it's pretty cool stuff we have some we have a pretty interesting conversation about it and then uh want to shout out hunter motts i mean if if i wouldn't have had hunter motts on the show uh i wouldn't have been able to interact with his awesome community and uh now i have some listeners on of my show so if you guys haven't checked out mixed mental arts uh give that check that show out you could it used to be the brian callen show but now it's mixed mental arts you can find it on itunes or you can go to mixedmentalarts.co so dot co and hunter actually put this podcast this episode out on his feed as well which is pretty awesome man so i'm, I'm pretty blown away by that um he gives me a lot of love and he and he tells people to support my patreon so segueing into my patreon guys i got a patreon now so i figured out what what to do and it's kind of goofy right now so um if you go to patreon.com forward slash sample hour uh i have different rewards and we can decide i mean if you guys want to help me you guys can help me decide what what is the best way to give out these rewards so right now they're really kind of silly so like for twenty dollars i'll record a personal voicemail for you so if you want if you want to hear my voice, you can uh you can do that. So uh ten dollars a month you get a you get a credit on the podcast. So I've had a couple pledges. So thank you, uh thank you, Daniel Borkos. Um Daniel doesn't want his real name said, but Daniel Borkos, thank you. So his real name isn't Bo- Borkos, but that's what I'm calling him. It's it's Daniel Borkos. And then uh Hunter Motts actually is a is a patron of the podcast, so I, I definitely appreciate uh, Hunter's support. Um, it's it's pr- very humbling to everyone that supported. I had some other, I had some five dollar early access people. So one thing I'm going to do, guys, I'm really far ahead with recording podcasts, and 
what I'm going to do is I'm going to just basically upload the raw files, like basically clean up the audio, and I'm just going to upload them on Patreon. So if you like my show and, and you get tired of waiting on me to release episodes, because I'm never going to really do more than two episodes a week, um, you'll be able to find them, and I can actually put those out in the highest quality because there's no... I don't have a monthly limit on what I can upload on a Patreon. So um, I... So I, I could I could get more on podcast blast stuff, but I'm I'm on a budget, guys. So I'm trying to keep it low. So uh, so that's the advantage. So if you do so if if you even just want to support the show, um, there's a dollar you can you can contribute a dollar a month. So right now I have one, five, ten. Uh, actually, have a three dollar one too, where I give podcast tutorials. Um, I just realized that. 20 and then a hundred dollars a month but if, if there's anywhere in between or you know just just personal message me on uh you can email me uh the sample hour at gmail.com uh and then if you just want to donate to the show or contribute to the show you're like i don't want to sign up with that monthly shit drew that's fine too so you there is a paypal link that's on the site it's going to say contribute um because i don't like the word donate i'm not a i don't want to be a professional begging organization even though i'm begging you guys for money right now so not really begging but you know it's just a joke so um but let's get into the affiliates so at nature's image farm they still have i I just went out to uh greg's and we recorded the buzzcast which is coming out on thursday so it's a different it's another in the spirit of failing forward it's going to be us talking about beekeeping so this is going to be greg's second year this is my first year and we're gonna we're gonna basically log all of our experiences um, with beekeeping and and kind of take us through the year. So, And then I'm going to have a couple other shows. I'm going to do a failing forward, hopefully with Joel, and then one with uh, Rich as well because Rich is moving in and just our relationships. And Joel and I always work pretty closely together. Um, so, yeah, so with that being said, so if you go to naturesimagefarm.com, you can see everything he still has in stock. Use code word sample and save 10% and get free shipping. Pretty awesome. So I'm pretty, pretty, pretty happy to be affiliated with, with Greg Burns and his clan. So good friends of mine, great people. Second affiliate, uh, if you still are interested in the Pawpaw course, uh, it's free. So go to, you can click on the link. It's that cool little GIF um, from Grant Schultz. So if you go to Versaland TV, you can sign up and actually just click on the link in the show notes and you can sign up and get the um, sign up and take the course for free. So it will teach you a lot about pawpaws. I haven't personally gotten into it yet. Just getting ready for the season. I've been going through my other affiliates course. So and that's profitable urban farming. So if you guys want to learn how to be profitable, small scale farmers, I highly recommend Curtis Stone's course. Um if you want to save, you can actually save $100 if you click on the first link in the show notes. And then the second link, you it's, uh, it's, a, you, you, it's a payment. It's an installment plan. So that's the one I did. So, um, And fitness. I'm still on the fitness kick. I'm, I'm about to gear down more. I've been having a little too much fun. Uh, just kind of enjoying. I've, I've been eating cleaner food. But, you know, I got to cut back on booze again and... I did eat out, guys. I did eat some fast food and everything like that. I'm kind of ashamed of myself. I'm just teasing. It was something, uh, it, you know, Kevin Geary, he, he talked about it on the podcast with me and Tom Domrez, but uh, the inner rebel comes back and you can't, 
it doesn't matter how disciplined you are. There's a part of yourself that's going to be like, man, I, I'm enough of this. I need to do something else. So it's manage that inner rebel. And, and his course does a great job of covering, you know, what to do, how to get there, you know, the, the psychology, the psychology aspect of weight loss and everything like that. It's, it's, it's a great course. So if you click on the show, show notes there for total body reboot or rebootedbody.com, um, yeah, you guys can get that course as well if you're interested. And then finally, last but not least, if you guys are interested in doing a podcast and you just sign up with Podcast Blast Off through that affiliate, um, that $3 a month thing where I give you podcasting tutorials, I'll do the same thing just for signing up for that just because a lot of people ask me, how do I do what I do? And they always think I have some more, a lot more elaborate qu- equipment or that it costs a lot more money than what it does. And it really doesn't. So I, I'm more than happy to. They're not secrets. This is just information I've stumbled through for the past five years to to get you guys the best sounding audio quality. And even if like I try something new, thankfully, you know, to uh, the Burns clan, they'll give me a heads up. And it's never. And I always like that. Like if you if there's something that, however you listen to my podcast, whether it's in your car or through headphones or, or whatever. If you don't like the way it's coming out and sounding or if something has changed, just let me know and I'll, I'll be more than because I, I know what I'm doing to make to try to, to I just always mess around, guys. So anyways, just let me know. Don't be afraid to contact me. I don't I, uh, I appreciate constructive criticism. I just appreciate people messaging me and telling me that they listen. So it means the world to me and it uh, makes me want to keep on doing this. So. Anyways, guys, that's a pretty long intro. So we're at like 10 minutes. So that's Joe Rogan's cell. So I hope you guys appreciate this show. And I'm looking forward to bringing you another episode soon. Hey. Here we are. So I'm just gonna admit it. I feel like an asshole because my good friend James Miller here, my now good friend, even though I've just met him tonight, hit followed me on Twitter from his podcast called Coolest Humans, and I was like, uh, "Oh, dude, I'd love to be on your show. I think I'm a pretty cool human." And he was like, "Yeah, man, we'll, we'll have to set it up sometime." I never heard anything, and then we're. My other now good friend, Adam Henson here, was like, hey, I'm coming to Ohio, guys. Let's get a meetup going. So met you guys from having Hunter Motts on the podcast, came out to the, the little community. Now we're all at my house after a nice evening at World of Beer. And turns out James is the host of the show. That's this cool show that talks to the coolest humans. I have a published author here on my right, Adam Henson, spelled the Danish way. <laughs> What's up, guys? S-E-N. Hey, just delighted to be here, man. Yeah, you're on my uh, my blue couch, which is hard to get comfortable on. It's it's weird. The arms are. Yeah, it's for rich people for sure. It's like the rich <laughs> rich people style furniture where it's hard to get through doors. I have a couch. I'm probably gonna get rid of this stuff and put the the couch right here. Maybe move that over there and put the couch here. I like it. It's comfortable. Thank you. You're you're a very uh, gracious host. Thanks, man. I. I, I'm happy that it worked out. So James had this idea of us recording at World of Beer, 
And due to my, my past experiences with first time meeting folk on the internet, I'm like, you know what? A group of six people getting together might be talking over each other. And I poo pooed the idea like a douche. And here we are. We're recording a podcast now. <laughs> well, thanks for uh, finally coming around, man. Yeah. Well, it wasn't finally coming around. I've been waiting on you to schedule a date. And here we are. Yeah, I'm, I'm a lousy host, but here we are. You're hosting at your house. I appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. And, uh, and uh, you know, maybe we'll share the audio or I'll have you on. Oh, we'll definitely share it, that. man. We can, and, and I can come on too. I feel like I'm a cool human. But uh, what did you guys think about tonight? So, you know, Adam sent this, 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 he put this post in the Mixed Mental Arts Facebook group that he was coming to town. Let's get together and more than happy to take the bull by the horns and and kind of say let's go here and james like do we have a reservation there and i was like what is this guy talking about number one <laughs> he wants to record a podcast a reservation at world of beer and he was like i'm a little hoity-toity he's like uh and i didn't even because i thought you were jeremy and i'm like okay why is this columbus guy saying this and it's like oh that's the guy from new philly of course of course he didn't know but I mean, so what are your guys' thoughts for tonight, man? So, uh, well, do you guys want to kind of introduce yourselves and talk about stuff? I'm James Miller, as uh, our gracious host has already pointed out. Uh, <laughs> I made the trek down the highway two hours to hang out with these fellas and uh, try some beers. Uh, there's a couple other guys. They didn't come back to do the podcast, but uh, good guys. Had a lot of good conversation. Uh, Adam was pretty much our host for the evening. He was uh, directing conversation and asking good questions. And uh, I, in my typical fashion, hung back and listened yeah. uh, because I'm a podcast host. I'm not a podcast guest. And uh, you are tonight. I am tonight and I actually love it. Uh, but it was a good night. I'm glad I came. Uh, I had opportunity not to come, but I actually made my work schedule work and uh, and came down here and did. This. Thanks, Rob Wolf. Rob, if it wasn't for Rob Wolf, James wouldn't be here today. That's right. I, thank you, Rob Wolf and the Paleo Solution. <laughs> it, it solved many problems for us tonight. It got me down here to Columbus to drink beer and talk to these guys. And Drew introduced me to mead tonight that he made. I'd never had mead before. It was awesome. And uh, the guy's got a Thanks, farm man. in his backyard in the middle of town. Yeah. This, this is fucking ridiculous. Thanks, man. Over to you, Adam. Such a cool human. <laughs> Adam's an author. I I am. Uh, I'm Adam Hansen, and I, I came in from New Jersey. I'm here in town. We're meeting with some clients tomorrow to kick off a project that we'll be wrapping up next week in our uh, Orlando office. I'm an innovation dude. Uh, I got very lucky to figure out a long time ago that you could do innovation for a living. And I thought um, when I heard that, that that was a pretty good idea. So I've been at it now for uh, a few decades. It kind of blew my mind because you, you said something and I was like, what is he getting at? It sounded so fancy. And I'm like, he's going to have to dumb it down for me. <laughs> and then do you want to, can you share that example? We, we don't, you don't have to share it, but you said like something that you'd contributed to. Well, that was before me. But oh, the, the, well, let's the, just pretend like the, it was you. The oatmeal one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my company, Ideas to Go, so it's this idea that every, so, so large companies have an ongoing need to come out with new products or, yeah. new, or new services if they're in the service business. But so uh, the longer ago a new product came out, the more apt we're, we are to be able to share it. 
because then companies just go, yeah, okay, that's fine. That was long ago. Uh, meaning that we can't share stuff that's more recent because we sign all kinds of master service agreements. Yeah. That, that oh, there's some proprietary and, shit you can't oh, yeah, share. Yeah. yeah. So I know stuff that is going to be, it's in the hopper. Like I always have a pretty good idea what's going to be coming Adam out. Adam could predict the future. Is what I know what's coming out in the next two or three years. I have a pretty yeah. good idea. So anyhow, so go back 25 plus years ago, Quaker came to us, this is before I worked for Ideas to Go, and said, hey, we have a, this issue. If kids aren't eating oatmeal by age four, they're not going to eat oatmeal. So can you help us with that? We want to come up with oatmeal ideas that are more engaging, more interactive, and fun for kids. So we said, great, we can do that. We brought in moms from our creative consumer panel. We got the input from their kids and everything. And one of our creative consumers said, I've got an idea. It's an oatmeal now that has dinosaur eggs in it, and you pour hot water on it, and the dinosaur eggs, egg shells just kind of melt away and there are dinosaurs in there and for those of you who've had this now quaker dinosaur eggs oatmeal for little kids and uh some of the people in the group had said yeah i actually had that as a little kid so that's just one example of the kinds of things that we do it's pretty fascinating man and then what is so you wrote a book as well yeah, so I uh, started noticing, uh, and as a group, we started noticing a few years ago that a lot of the things that was coming out from behavioral science, uh, some of the Daniel Kahneman, Amos Tversky stuff, System 1, System 2 thinking, a lot of talk about cognitive biases. Um, we saw overlap in our work, particularly things like negativity bias. Like it's always easier when new ideas come up to go straight to what isn't working in them. That's just automatic. That's reflexive. Is that because of people's resistance to change? It's it's because it served our ancestors well. If if for our ancestors, if they if they had a bias that all novelty is threat, first and foremost, they are more likely to survive. Yeah. If there's a rustling in the bushes, instead of processing that as opportunity, you process that as threat. And then place as much, much distance between you and that rustling in the bushes as possible, then you got to live another day. Yeah. The curious and inquisitive who went to that rustling in the bushes, the moment they decide to do that, their genetic fate took a pretty big hit. Or their odds of sticking around long enough to pass on their DNA just kind of went, right? Yeah. Right? So we're the descendants of the the savants of, of risk aversion. And so we come by that very honestly. So that's just one example, negativity bias. It's, it's bad is bad is stronger than good in our cognition. We, we fear loss much more than we appreciate gain. Yeah. So that's just one example. And so there are very specific things you can do to mitigate that. And so as long as you just bring a little bit of awareness to it, you have some simple tools, you can start mowing down some of these, cognitive biases that are really hurting innovation. And so if you do it, particularly in a group, then you can keep each other honest. You can have some fun with it. Hopefully you bring some humility to it, a little bit of sense of humor. The good thing about it is we all have these cognitive biases. We can't point fingers at anyone because all of us have them. Yeah, they're ingrained. Yeah, and Daniel Kahneman says 
none of us are going to be able to overcome these entirely. And so he's, you know. And who is Daniel Kahneman? So he's the Nobel uh, laureate who did all, a lot of the great work along with his buddy Amos Tversky, who first they started just kind of like knocking down some of the pillars of thought that humans are rational actors. Yeah. And they said, uh, they really, we really aren't. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. let's get honest about that. Yeah. It's interesting. Before I heard Hunter on JRE, I like what this election kind of turned me on to that. Cause I thought I saw Scott Adams on reason TV and he was saying, I think Trump's going to win cause he's a master persuader and he just gets it. And I was like, you know, that's super interesting, but I just don't see that happening. And then I started reading his blog and he has this whole persuasion reading list. And that kind of actually coincided too, because a few years ago I started studying the, the Severn liberal arts and kind of trying to apply like the trivia method, which is grammar, logic, and rhetoric. And now I'm on rhetoric and it's like, cause each year it pretty much takes to to really kind of digest and even then I still suck at grammar, but I'm trying to get better. Um, but I mean, persuasion is such a powerful form of rhetoric being in sales for, you know, 10 years and, and, and being a good networker, it made sense. And then he's like, humans aren't rational. Facts don't matter. And then I was listening to my friend Brett on a school sucks podcast. And he was, he, he was referencing Jonathan Haidt quite a bit or hate or height. I forget how you say Hi. his name. Yeah. And then he, he was talking about, then he, he put some excerpts of Jonathan Haidt on, um, of, on Tom Woods from, from when he was on Tom Woods and he's talking about, so if you're going to persuade somebody, you know, there's the rider and the elephant and there's, who are you going to try to persuade? Are you going to try to persuade the rider? Are you going to try to persuade the elephant? And it was like, okay, Jonathan Haidt wasn't on, Scott Adams's reading list. So then I, I dove into him and then I saw Hunter on JRE and he started talking about it. Then I got Hunter on and now I've got his reading list. It's been, it's been an interesting thing for me because it's like, I've been in these different schools of thought that are, are connecting yeah, and they're independently connecting through different things. And I think it's, it's interesting because when you accept the fact that you're not, that I'm not a rational human being, I can do everything I can to, to be emotionally intelligent and try to function but even then i think what you know just even talk like even this like you guys saw my farm and everything but even like here i am like kind of a ground zero for this micro entrepreneurship enterprise this this part-time business that i had incubating and now i'm trying to go full-time and my number one motivation and something that i'm trying to use as my number one motivation is my fear of having to go back and get a job and it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that, man. I don't. So it's, it's a big motivator. So it's like, you know, I mean, you guys can see, like, I'm in this process of like, I just cleaned my whole house. I'm in this process of getting stuff clean and getting organized. And it's like, you know, stepping up the time management game and figuring out, because when you work for yourself, it's easy to want to put in those hours, but that's a great way to burn yourself out. And so like, I, I'm, I'm trying to master and understand things because it's, it's interesting because you know, Hunter doesn't have the Charles Duhigg book of Power of Habit, and it's like yeah. there's 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 different books that are in each each reading list, and neither of them had like the. Have you guys read like the Theory of Scientific Revolutions or Kuhn? Yeah, Thomas. Oh, absolutely. Kuhn. Yeah, and yeah. it's like I I put that in the Facebook group like when the the whole fucking 
vaccine debate was going on. I'm like, man, both sides just drive me nuts. <laughs> like both sides, because they're not like, I don't get vaccines. Um, but that's just because I have this mistrust of the medical industry. But it's like, you know, when you, when you study, you know, when you read Kuhn's book and you're like, study the history of science and, and then you come back to the humans aren't rational or you look at the, the low fat diet debate, which you just had Rob Wolf on today, James. Yes. And then you look at Ansel Keys sold the low fat diet because he was charismatic, not because of science. <laughs> and it's so it's like so that that's that's a fact of when you when you take into relation of persuasion and you take into this relation of the way humans operate, um, we're just not rational humans. And you were talking there, so I just decided to spew all that information. Yeah. Guys, well, and, so so what? So given that the best you can kind of hope to do is to have, I love your cats. They do this these all the time. Great. They're so much fun. Yeah. These uh, cats, they're, they're disruptors. No, of they're great. Podcasts. They're, they're awesome. They're my buddies. Uh, so, so the way forward then is what? And I, I think what it is, is, is a lot of what mixed mental arts is trying to do. And that is to get, multiple inputs, the odds that any one source is going to have the stranglehold on reality, is, of course, is negligible, but also that any one source is going to be a complete clinker and have nothing to contribute is, is probably equally off, right? And so the question to ask, I think, is, what can some of these sources that seem to have some value, some demonstrable value, what can they put into the into the mix that seems helpful? And then how do you then slot it up against some of these other things yeah. that also seem to be working well? And how can it just add to it? And so I think for me, what, what I find interesting about mixed mental arts is just you're starting to just assemble kind of now this this body of of inputs. To help you think better. I, I really like that you brought up the Charles Duhigg, you know, the power of habits, the notion of keystone habits and, and the leverage that can come from that. That book is so fascinating. Isn't it's it great? Especially the dude who worked for Target who, man, have you, have you read the book, James? I have not. Okay. So, so he worked for Target and he could tell based on purchases because they were tracking purchases for customers <laughs> and they could tell based on their purchases on when a person, when a woman was going to become pregnant. Yeah. So then they'd send coupons saying, Oh, you're pregnant. Get this. And so they sent it to this guy's 16 year old daughter. And the guy came into the store, super pissed off, raised hell. And then it rolled up to this guy and he goes, well, I'll, I'll have to check that. Cause he's like a, you know, just a math, math guy. And he was like, I'm going to have to check like the algorithm or something like that that he developed. And then he said, you know, I took a look and it, nothing actually, I mean, it looked good, like, but, you know, we'll, we'll definitely put an age filter on. And so two weeks later, the guy comes in and he says, I'm so sorry, my daughter's pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you can try, like humans are so predictable based on buying habits and stuff like that, that. It's not, we don't even, I, I can't even fully comprehend. Like, it's like you can, 
and, and it's and it's it's all these algorithms even like facebook like I actually love it. Like I love when I'm when I actually don't when ad blocks not working and I'm like looking and I'm like, you know, I have been looking for that, but now it's like it's so out in the open because I do such little shopping. It's so it's like I already have like how many times do I have to look at seed deals and Jang Cedars and shit like that or Wendell Berry books from Amazon. Like <laughs> it's really like it's really niche. Like it it's uh once they have you for Wendell Berry, they have a pretty good sense <laughs> yeah yeah man what what you're about what, yeah yeah gene logson <laughs> and wendell berry gives everything away uh yeah i think it's it's fascinating man i mean the, the doohig book and then um uh you were saying something i interrupted you sorry when, no no but, but just this idea of um when you get more people involved there so you know hunter obviously is about as well read as we could hope uh, for a person to be. And then we get other people come in and they yeah. also then bring their resources and their, you know, their, and they add to the conversation. Yeah. And, and so the, what, I, what I like is what Ed Hess, who's one of my favorite authors and I've, I've tried to plug his last book, which I really love, which is called uh, humility is the new smart. Yeah, which I just think is absolutely brilliant. Well, it makes sense. Yeah, because right. just like Rob Wolf was just saying yeah. on uh, Rogan, like yeah. the last time he's on there is, man, you know, the more I learned, he asked him something about diet, and Rob was like, you know, man, I just don't even know anymore. He's yeah. like, it's it's so it's it's like the more you learn about something, like even even like you're a niche field of what's coming out, and, yeah. and I'm sure if if I knew a little bit, or if I was doing my own independent research and I asked you a question, you'd be like possibly but i mean oh yeah i mean the 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 right way to proceed and and the error that too many experts commit yeah is they won't admit to the limits of their expertise oh yeah but uh what uh, ed hess says that i like so much is the reason why it's good to have varied perspectives in a group is because you want to have non-overlapping pools of confirmation bias yeah so if we're all too much alike we just have an echo chamber. Our confirmation bias is all going to be very similar. And then. Which is the biggest problem with our political. Yeah. Our political well, tensions now. And, in our media. Yeah, in our media. Well, in our media, yeah. but then what's that, metaphorically, what's that like? That's like, I like pointing out <laughs> to our clients when they want to bring in uh, only the marketing team. My third cat won't shut up. I'm really <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> when, when when our clients only want to bring in like just the marketing team, I'll say no. We really want a cross-functional team. Yeah. And if they persist, and then I'll say, if I know them well enough, or, or if I feel I can get away with it, I'll say, well, you know, look at this. We figured out as a species long before the scientific revolution that incest wasn't a particularly great genetic strategy. Yeah. <laughs> and so. Why wouldn't that logic apply to ideas? Yeah. Uh, and there's something to be said for hybrid vigor. So idea sex, but not idea incest. No, not yeah. idea incest. Idea sex, not idea incest. Exactly. We don't want um, ideas with three arms. We don't want, <laughs> we don't want hemophiliac ideas. 
uh, to all the hemophiliacs in in your audience, Drew, my, my apologies. And I don't I, know of any of them. I hope you're. I hope you're. Get, I hope you're getting great care. And, and if they and, get offended, then they obviously don't listen. I'm to my sorry. Show that I'm much. so. I'm so sorry. I'm so everybody's, sorry. Everybody's everybody's open to take offense on uh, this show, and, and to and to the people with three arms as well. Again, our our heart goes to you. But um, no, there's some real power to. Uh, it's this idea: if you and I agree on everything, one of us really is redundant. And uh, and I don't know about you guys, but I love having a group of friends that um, I'm not always going to agree with. Yeah, well, dude, I I don't want an echo chamber. Yeah, no. I, you know, I that's why I got out of church because that was all my friends, and we all believe the same thing. That was so boring. Yeah, like, I want people that believe in many different things and we can still have other things in common yeah the fact that we have different beliefs doesn't mean we can't hang out and have a good time it's more fun to disagree respectfully than yeah. to agree i agree have the same conversation over and over again Absolutely. it's it's good to have a conversation like i i mean even like hunter and i were talking when i had him on and he's like you know disbanding disbanding government and having this and like man i'm i'm pretty much like I've come to the conclusion that I don't want any government to to regulate me, but I definitely know there's people that want that for their life and in their life. And so it's like it's it's like you come to this like I see where he's coming from, but I also see where I'm coming from and I'm like they just get in my way. Like it's like they don't we need some government. Yeah, I yeah. think I think city states work. I think the smaller you go, the better it is, but we you were talking today when we were at world of beer and it was like you know you're like going going on about what's going on here you saw this little bell graph i'm like man it's it's 320 million people like how do how can you like number one to be a person that says i want to be a commander in chief of 320 million people there's something wrong with you. That ought to be disqualifying right there. Well, yeah. I mean, and then you get... <laughs> that was my point, is the fact that you want yeah. the job is strike one. Yeah. What, what's the next two strikes? Well, and until we come up with something else, someone does have to throw his or her hat into, it's the system in, we have. into that ring. Oh, yeah. And so until we figure out what else that is, or we... Or the system runs or, or, yeah, runs its course, and we say, you know what? Hey, it was a great run. Let's break up into, you know, six different countries or, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, at some point we probably ought to be open to that. I mean, it's, there's, nothing, there's nothing chiseled in stone. Well, no, actually, there's stuff chiseled in stone, I guess. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> there's actually a place called Washington, D.C., where a lot of this is actually chiseled in stone. The District of Columbia. Um, yeah. But, um, no, but I mean... Um, yeah, it's weird, but, 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 but then on the other side of that, in a nation of 320 million people, we're up to 325, it's got to be something wherever we are now, but how, the system's got to be pretty weird for us to end up with the perverse results that we do for those candidates then. Yeah. And, and it's just, it, 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 it just boggles the mind. Yeah, definitely. That we can't, we can't get better candidates well i mean the people that would be better candidates want nothing to do with it yeah because it's, yeah for, i mean for the for these reasons how do you do you think like you are you are an innovation like that is your your business do you think 
you could make better do you think you could have a greater impact in, on society with business or by you becoming a politician uh i'm temperamentally and uh <laughs> any other number of ways i'm just not suited to that i mean i don't i don't do well politically in, yeah. in large business organizations yeah i mean i i voted with my feet yeah i i used to my job before ideas ago was as innovation director in a large company right company and it was great it was a fantastic experience and i really made some great friendships there and everything but i became increasingly um uh unimpressed yeah with my ability to create the results that i felt needed to be created within that kind of organization that kind of environment that kind of bureaucratic yeah i mean it's just it, it, i i think i was hired because i had a track record of getting of making really cool stuff happen great getting shit done yeah and yeah. and uh when uh i was only able to use so much i just thought well it, it, i've done kind of what i can yeah so, so i i would thought on the uh on the political side, like in the military, we have things like DARPA and Skunk Works and all these places where we put the greatest thinkers and we give them money and get out of the way and tell them develop and they come up with some really cool stuff. I don't, I don't think there's anything like that. What are you talking about? We have sense. the Department of Education, the Department of Agriculture, <laughs> but we don't have the best is, thinkers is, in those organizations. I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, tell me if I'm wrong, but there's no, I don't believe there's any concentrated thing within government that says, hey, let's just get these people. We, there's, there's concentrated things outside of government there's, that there's take money tanks and, and then like they that. throw them at government and they're called super PACs and they're lobbyists. And stuff lobbyists. And, the, and in most countries, that. that stuff is called corruption. Yeah. But here it's not. And I don't know. I mean, that's the game that we have here. So I guess they're, they're kind they're, of kind of what mixed mental arts could yeah, be. It could be. Yeah. It's it's a group of people that are pretty open minded, that are interested in bettering themselves and learning all different perspectives. Like we had a, a very varied, what was there, seven people there tonight. We had a pretty varied crowd. It was good, know? man. It was fun. Uh, Religious, different affiliations. There's people that were really religious there, and uh, I don't think there was. I mean, I don't know. Um, I know we we talked about religion though. There was there was of a lot a, of a lot of ex-religious people. Of a fascinating person that I know, and we <laughs> and I had this this vast this vast knowledge of their old faith, and I, I always like to test it and <laughs> test my knowledge of their old faith. Well, I, I think I think I mean just even from from um interactions with other folks within mixed mental arts. And I, I think you have some spectrum of seekers, um, uh, uh, someone across the spectrum. I don't, I, I mean, uh, Kim, um, Aries, Aries, the guy, the, uh, he calls himself a fundamental, a fundamentalist Christian preacher. Remember he's shown up there, which I think is amazing. Mm. Uh, one guy kind of just went right after him, which didn't seem awfully hospitable. 
I thought you should go look. He knows it's just a different fundamentalism. You knows you, he knows yeah, he's probably the fundamentals go after each other. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but he knows he's kind of stepping into what is probably what might be slightly hostile territory. Can you cut the guy some slack? Hear him out. Yeah, some some one I can't remember who it was. Kind of had a little bit more of a kind of an overt atheistic bend. Just said, "Yeah, that's just bullshit." And what are you doing? And you know that, that, that. and it's kind of like, oh, just no, come on, just atheists are the worst. <laughs> it's just the militant just atheists like, are ridiculous. There, yeah, <laughs> it's just like the worst. Else. It's just like we know proselytizing atheists are well, the worst. Well, that's it. And 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 so Pendulette says it straight out. Like I like proselytizing. I. I think Christians should be allowed to do that. It's their it's their freedom of speech. He's like, I like to do it as an atheist. And it's part of the reason why I stopped listening to Penn. I like Penn, but I was just like, God. Well, Penn's great, but I don't what, give a what, fuck about what your is, religion. Uh, what's interesting, so uh, talking to people who have been through uh, faith transitions, yeah, um, maybe something I can relate to or not, but uh, when it's been such that I can ask this kind of question when they've gone straight to atheism. I've asked them, I said, are you open to the notion that you've just traded one dogma, one form of surety for a different, just for its, yeah. for, for its photo negative. But I, I think that goes to everything, man. I think it's uh man. I mean, I've been to, I've been to, I've been to so many group events. Like I went when I decided I was no longer libertarian and I, I went to this anarchist conference and it was the same thing. It was, People had heard Stefan Molyneux and they'd listen to him and they found some freedom in what he had said. And they applied one little thing to what, what he was saying. And then it's like this, it's just like a different kind of cult effect. It's a different, you move from one group think to the other. You're, yeah. you're chasing a different pasture it's or a tribalism. different shepherd. Yeah. It's a different form of tribalism. And it's like, even we went to, um, my buddy Nathan came down and a group of us, we went to Milo. We were, we were going to go to the, like, we got these free tickets to see Milo when he was in, uh, at, at OSU. And again, we're sitting there and everybody's just parroting stuff that I know they watched on YouTube. I know most of these people weren't reading books. Most of these people weren't thinking of, weren't developing their own opinions. It was like, yeah, this is a new popular contrary opinion or the new kind of, cool opinion to have and it's and i've been there so i think that's why i identify with it but okay so so i want to i want to go on this so yeah. this this occurred to me and this is not only because i'm a uh that's what you got for pet mama now she's gonna get on your lap coming over onto the lap holy smokes yeah she she just yeah. they're relentless man it's, it's the assumed clothes with these cats it. <laughs> yeah it's just i like it so so that idea of of just parodying uh, and, and the kind of this absolute, kind of, like this is it. So like this is yeah. the focus. But the parodying drives me nuts. Yeah, because you know, okay, I heard this person say that. You didn't reference yeah. them and you didn't, you clearly didn't put any more thought into it, but well, so that's you were it. looking so, for a confirmation bias. Yeah. Something to support an idea that you had, but you can't put your own words to it. But But what concerns me about that is did you then not bother enough to do any more work so that then you could broaden out from that? Uh, and the, if you like that idea, great. 
but then go do some work. Yeah, man. And broaden out from it. And now that is not the only thing you can talk about, but that now is just kind of, um, that's part of the argument or that something. And so what occurred to me years ago was uh, different types of authority. And the type of authority I really struggle with is just kind of appointed authority. Yeah. That just comes from a title or something. Yep. I really have very little interest Somebody in that. Somebody that promoted in corporate America. Yeah, I have very, deserve. I just, I just, I don't have much interest in that. Now, if they demonstrate to me that they've earned it and they really know their stuff, then I go, okay, that's cool. So earned authority from like putting the work in, putting the work in, I go, I dig that and yeah. I'll spend all day asking that person questions, picking that person's brain. Cause I go, this is great. I can learn something. Right. And then it occurred to me that uh, the word author is an authority. Yeah. And I don't say that now just because I wrote a book, but <clears throat> what that to me means is if you care enough about a particular area, you, you will take in what others are saying, but then you'll care enough about it that you'll actually want to bring something of your own to it. Yeah. And you'll take these influences, you'll give it some thought, you'll do some of your own work, and you'll try to bring some of your own unique contribution to it. So then when you bring something to it, and it could just even be some, <clears throat> it doesn't have to be all that breakthrough or brilliant or original. Yeah. It just needs to show that you've actually processed it enough yeah. that you're adding to it. You're, you're making your contribution to it. Yeah, that's what and makes so, And so work. that kind of authority is kind of cool. And why, why aren't more people doing that? I don't know, because that's what makes work fulfilling. Yeah. Like that's 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 how you get fulfillment. Absolutely, when you're actually creating because you've actually taken it in, you've internalized it. Yeah, yeah, and it's a weird thing even with podcasting. And and James, I don't, you haven't been podcasting as long as me, but you you'll probably relate to this and you as an author because you you've taken your own thoughts and you've put them out there, and once you put them out there, your view of those thoughts drastically changes. And so it's you know I had a Man, even just with the podcast, like it, it changes when I have a conversation with somebody, I might be really passionate about it. And then I go back and I listen to it. And I'm like, yeah, I like what I said there. And then a listener will ask me about it. And that same person that said what I said isn't the same person that's answering. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like I put it out there to open a dialogue. Like I'm, I'm doing this to find my tribe. I mean, that's why you do stuff. I mean, that's why we, we got together because I mean, like, look, we can shit on tribalism and, and we can say how annoying it is, but just like what you said with, with the negative feedback and, and how we, we resort to that. And this is why, Oh yeah, man, you're going to keep pushing him off. Sorry. Cats. I got guests here and the cats love my guests, but just like that, I mean, tribalism is just something that, that is a part of us and it's, yeah, we're social creatures creatures we, can't, we are we can't avoid it yeah and so but i think it's it's just like anything like you know people you know it gets annoying like i remember when i was in in multi-level marketing and i you know you hear you false evidence appearing real and it's like no like that's dismissing what you're feeling yeah and your feelings are there to tell you something 
So you can you can either try to fight your natural instincts or you can use them to your advantage or you could use them to, yeah, this is what I naturally am. And it's just like whether you have a goal of losing weight, a goal of being successful or a goal of anything, you have to think about what your goal is, how you're going to feel when you get there. Then you have to think about how you're going to feel if you don't do it. And a lot of times you have to use a mixture of both. Like, look, I want to feel like this, not this. To use that not this as a motivation to get to the way you want to feel. And I think that's, that's just it. I think it's you have to understand who you are, why you feel the way you feel, why you want what you want. And it's, it's just kind of like, you know, we were there and I, I read this book, The Lean Farm, and, it's, and he's a small-scale farmer like me in Goshen, Indiana. And it's the same thing. He talks like the, the lean principle, ask why five times. And it's like, and you get five different answers. And it's like, when he, when he's hammering that in your head in the book, and I got to reread it, it's like, start doing that in your everyday life. Start doing that. And, you know, why do I, why do I drink coffee every morning? You know, why do I do this? Why do I do that? And then you actually ask those questions and you live in that question. And that's how you get growth. That's how you, that's how you experience changes. That's how you start to randomly have people tag you on Facebook and say, hey, let's meet. Oh man, she really likes you. I mean, but yeah. that that's it, because then you you put yourself in this position to where here we are in a room and playing with my cats and having a conversation. Well, we live in a time where we get to choose our tribe. Yeah, man. And we get to have our feet in many tribes at the same time. Yeah. You know, we're born into the tribe of American or Christian individualism. Or Muslim or they have the big tribe, and then you can get that down and we're essentially kind of creating a tribe in this mixed mental art thing so we can't shit all over tribalism for sure but it's a fascinating time in that we're able to straddle and you know it's like going to the four corners out west where you can stand in four states at one time yeah you know that's kind of where we're at we can we get to stand in as many states as we want we get to be a part of as many tribes as we want to and we can decide that this one no longer serves me yeah i can walk away from that and it doesn't mean i have to go hate that tribe that i was in before no, just no. it was useful to me at one time and now yeah. i can move on and do this other thing it's, it's still fun to shit on it though well know? yeah <laughs> I, I just like shitting on stuff because anything for comedy but. yeah anything for a joke man but i <laughs> i think it's you know but it's like uh i don't know it's probably the, the contrarian in me and i think that's why like i i've really i've really embraced the label of contrarian versus libertarian or anarchist or whatever it was before well here's what i need to challenge you yeah so back to negativity bias yeah so it's one of the cognitive biases that's that's part of system one the you know automatic fast thinking right yeah that's where all the cognitive biases are, are housed and so the research shows that and we all get that it's automatic it's reflexive it's instinctual Another part of the research is really interesting. It shows, hey, buddy. I like cat sneezing. That is so awesome. That's so cute. That's so adorable. Oh, man, she's so um, spoiled. Look at her. It's disgusting. Uh, so the other, the other part of this, then, that just demonstrates how entirely irrational we are is that negativity appears profound. Yeah. And people who can most quickly and effectively eviscerate any new idea or new argument or new anything, anything, any new presentation, or whatever, 
get all kinds of smart points yeah. in a group. And we all know that there are people who have built entire careers oh, yeah. on this. And <clears throat> we part like of, of the few things I really want to make sure happen before I die. That's one thing I really want to make sure happens is that stuff is that that shit gets called out. Yeah, I think I think like as a contrarian, I think it's important. Like I, I would say I'm a very I'm a realist. Yeah. A borderline idealist. Like I think I'm pretty like I'm an all around positive guy. But if I call us like I, I'm not afraid to call out people's bullshit in the yard. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? And I think it's if you like I think that's why I like Scott Adams so much. Even Hunter, because it's like the, trolling can be used to be thought provoking. It's not just shit posting and stupid memes. Like that stuff gets annoying. But <laughs> saying something provocative that stimulates conversation, that is a completely different thing. And I think if like if if somebody is telling me how great Trump is, I'm gonna put out counterpoints. If somebody's telling me how shitty Trump is, I'm going to put out counterpoints because it's like, I think if you want to have a conversation, it's best to really try to address both sides, not just the positives yeah. and not just the negatives. You have to like have all the information, then make a decision. Um, and I want to know if people have considered both sides. Yeah. Like I'm constantly somewhat trolling on my personal Facebook page all the time where I will put I'm thinking three moves ahead when I throw something up yeah. because I know somebody's going to come at me from some angle and like, I'm going to drop the other angle on them and then, I, then I'm still ahead of you. Now here's yeah. my question. So do you think your audiences know mine do what you're doing when you, when you do that? Oh yeah. Mine yeah, does. I, mean, I, I do have people, I, I consider myself thought provoking, but I've had friends tell me that sometimes I'm just provoking. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's just perception because I'm, I'm, yeah. I mean no malice. Yeah, anything, yeah. Unless somebody comes at me and then, then, then we're going to, problem but i mean that's not if drugs are involved <laughs> i've had a few is, drinks it's like let me what time is it we try to piss somebody off There's many variables i think yeah I, I i try to post less for that reason because it's like do i want to be known as the the funny thought-provoking troll or do i want to be known as the local food guy small-scale farmer podcaster and it's like you know it's it's good to choose hats it's good to try to help manage. You can manage people's perception of you very easily. And is it too much to be the funny, thought-provoking, small-scale? I think that's what I'm trying for more. <laughs> like, I'm trying for that more. But it was like, I was really, I'm just so, it's like, if I get sick of shit, then I poke at it, poke at it, poke at it. And then I get sick of just the whole thing. Then I just try to be positive. And then if if something just keeps coming in my direction, then I'm just like, man, I got to. I feel that I have to let this go. I have to address it and let it go. And then it's like, and it, I have had friends that people that say how much they respect me, but they have to unfriend me because they just can't handle it. And it's like, okay, well let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Like, like, I mean, one thing I posted something, I posted actually this, this meme that was kind of like it was a view of the alt-right and the view of SJWs and how similar they are. Like they're just different, <laughs> different forms of collectivism. It's the horseshoe. Yeah. 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 Well, it wasn't yeah. even, yeah, the horseshoe, but it's just like different forms of collectivism. Right. Yeah. And I had one girl and she was like, do you seriously believe that shit? And I'm like, well, let's talk about it. And I messaged her 
And I was like, you know, why do you want to fight right now? Like, why are you like so quick to fight right now? She's like, hell yeah, I want to fight. But I'm like, I was like, why? And she couldn't tell me why. She just kept trying to fight me. And I said... And, she was thinking fast. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. It was the amygdala hijack. It yeah. Was, it was straight to the And that's system. like the culture. That's the culture we're in, especially when it comes to this whole uh, pro-Trumper, anti-Trumper, anti-FIFA, whatever it is. It's like anybody that wants to get in the street and hold a sign and say this is who my guy is, or this is what my ideology is, or this is what, like, you're not going to make a difference doing that, man. If you want to make a difference, put your ideology in your own back pocket and go do it in the marketplace. I mean, like, look, if I, if, if the guy that created Uber hated cabs so much that all he did was stand in the street and have a sign that said how much he hated cabs and, and talked about how corrupt the cabbie unions were and how the cities just catered to him and all that, would would cabs be struggling today? This is the uh, my favorite quote from um, Michelangelo was criticized by creating. Yeah, man. I mean, that's that's why I asked you earlier. Like, do you think you could be have a bigger influence with innovation by being in politics or via business? Business, business. What do you feel? You feel well, business, and we see it with lobby. Yeah. The power comes from the billionaires that need to get shit done. Yeah, but that's so that's different. Lobbying is very different than what I'm talking about. But because that's seems not like the ultimate end to what we're talking. Th that's about corporatism. Well, that's corporatism. That's a little bit different. Well, the government only listens to large groups of people. They do, Some or the market will have to be. I mean, led by how much has the government tried to shut down things like Uber? Like, make it really hard for them. They've thrown a lot of bullshit at them. Well, it's been the government as provoked by vested The cab union, the interests. cab lobby. Yeah. But then the market, yeah. the, the people that want to use Uber stand up and... Automatically did it. Yeah, automatically. Like, that's the thing. Like, what, what Adam was saying earlier, it's like, you know, we can know... Like, look, I obviously want to live a simple life. I mean, I... My furniture is, is very hipster because my grandpa got it for me forever ago. I bought this from my ex-girlfriend's mom. Um, that's my only new shit right there. And that's a piece of shit, that little, that little stand. This is, uh, so should we describe what you're pointing to? Yeah, I mean, it's just audience? a <laughs> shitty entertainment center. The shitty entertainment center that I, I hate fucking looking at. And it's cheaply made. And it's I paid way too much money for it. entertainment center. It's a piece of shit. We've it's got, this pegboard it's, it, bullshit you'd get from Ikea or something like got, that. We've got, color-wise, we've got an Xbox as the as a highlight because it's the only thing that's white. <laughs> that's true. I am pretty good at matching. I like it. Um, but, like, so this is what I'm saying. Like, I want a simple life. Um, I don't like ads. I use Adblock. I don't. I don't like people having space in my head. I don't like a lot of that shit, right? Now, does that mean I'm not going to use it for... Am I not going to study that because I disagree with it or I don't like it invading my space? Am I not going to study that to make me more effective? That's silly. Like, sure. of course I'm going to. It's pretty obvious if you want to be successful in business these days, you just have to figure out a way to how to make anything convenient for the consumer and they're going to take advantage of it. And you have to make something cool and convenient and easy so they don't have to mess with it. So people don't have to leave their houses. And it's, it's, that seems to be the winning thing, man. It's, it's, if you can provide convenience 
in whatever industry you're in, you're going to be ahead of the curve. So while we're dropping these pearls of wisdom for your audience from the innovation guy. That's you. 84% of all innovation success is attributed to uniqueness and relevance. Yeah. Right? It needs to be unique. Yep. It has to break out in the pack somehow. But if it's only unique and not relevant, that's kind of the area of, well, I'll try it, but then I don't need to try it again. It's a good idea, but I just don't know what I'd use yeah, it for. Yeah, I, I see no real role for yeah. it. That's in, the kitchen in, in gadget my... that does one thing. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of, you know. It just does one thing better. It's kind of interesting. Cool for. Particularly if it's like a consumable or something, that's the, that's the area of all trial. And, the story of Febreze and, and, and no is repeat. fascinating. Of what? Fabrice, the story in The Power of Habit, that was fascinating, too. Yeah, yeah. Where they thought they could market it to people because it would take the skunk smell out of the stuff. And then yeah. but it was like, nope, it's that extra thing that women do when they were cleaning the house. And that's what made Fabrice. Yeah. Anyways, I didn't mean to, to direct, like, I didn't mean to uh, railroad. I didn't mean to drew it up there. No, that's good. So anyhow, that's, uh, that's it. Uniqueness, if you focus on uniqueness and relevance. Yeah in what you bring out to the market, that's going to carry most of the weight. And then that's, but that's only 84%. You still have 16% to worry about. Yeah. That's all, that's all the other stuff. So it's not that all that other stuff doesn't matter. It's just that uh, most of the heavy lifting is done so, by uniqueness and relevance. So do you think, what do you think, how do you think convenience adds into that? Well, convenience, I mean, is massive in a lot of, products and service categories is like the key driver of relevance yeah. if it's not convenience there'd be no amazon if it so wasn't so here, here's a, a, a geeky factoid for you i uh, love them by Dom, the way. domino's pizza actually their pizza is better now than it was five years ago yeah they really they they learned some things they thought hey let's quit selling cardboard um but now they're redoing their whole front displays. They're redoing a they're, lot of stuff. But they're, but they're month on month, same you know month to same month last year sales are up like twelve percent. And meanwhile, Pizza Hut down like I think like six percent. Why? convenience they got a phone app where you can order it and they their, deliver their it. app with the tracker and everything on delivery and everything is just kicking so they made the investment in the app and in, in the it and everything and pizza did nothing and pizza just kept competing on the regular you know on the on the regular terms of competition and domino said no this whole app thing really matters and look at the convenience there put together your easy order they through their analytics, they saw that most of the orders that there's a high degree of of, rep, of of repeat order. Yeah, they said now just set up your order once. You can just hit one button. It's like Amazon. That's, a, that's what Uber Eats does. It's like Amazon one click. Well, they right? Have the, the, they Uber Eats does the same thing. I don't know if you guys have Uber Eats where you're at in New Jersey. No. So you can literally. Um, I mean, I'll pull it up right now. But you can do the same thing, right? Just it will tell me all my past orders. Yeah. Would you like to order this again? Yeah. yeah sure. Well, if you set up if you set up your order at Domino's, yeah, you can tweet at Domino's the pizza emoji, yeah. and that orders the pizza for you. 
Yeah. Like if you have everything linked together, all you have to do is go to Domino's at Domino's on Twitter, put your pizza emoji in, boom, 30 minutes later, there's a pizza at your door. So look how, look how they've now compare that to any other way of getting pizza to your home. It's awesome. My ex-wife would not order from anywhere that didn't have online ordering because she didn't want to have to talk to anybody. She's, yeah. She's a little anxious. So when Domino's had, uh, was the first one out with online ordering, that's all we ate if we had pizza. So is so Donato's on, has it, but they're so they're honestly, garbage. I I don't remember the last time we got pizza from Pizza Hut, but I'm guessing Pizza Hut and Domino's Pizza may be really comparable. I mean, I don't know. Pizza used to be the best, but it, their 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 quality went way downhill. Well, they went to frozen dough. Yeah, yeah. making their own dough. They went. So you you know some things, but I'm saying overall, he is the restaurant. Overall, Domino's is not beating Pizza Hut because their pizza. It's not about quality. Yeah, it's 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 all about now because I have one click easy order, or now I can just put in a pizza emoji on Twitter and I have my order. So I mean, so so very long winded way of saying how important is convenience. How big of a driver is it in the relevance equation? Massive. Yeah. And that's driven by technology. Yeah. 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 And so just like... Convenience just, is a technology. Well, in con- reality, and, and, like it's and, the base of all technology. And con- technology convenience, yeah. convenience is in many product categories the master benefit, right? Uh, but there are different types of convenience and, and new ways of really making that happen. So... Yeah. Always be thinking, how can I do that? And in the moment you're thinking about doing it the same way that your competition is doing it, then again, you're losing on uniqueness. Yeah, you don't. So, you know. I mean, that's. You've always got to be thinking. That's where, the issue where, that where I have everyone else is zigging. Small scale farmers. Where everyone else is zigging, how can I zag? Yeah. No, I, I agree, man. You got to blaze your own trail. Like, I think. That's that's so what's so cool about small scale farming is everybody is trying to figure out because we all use hand tools. They're trying to figure out how can we automize, how can we uh, automize, not automize. Like how can we make everything for fall? Uh, <laughs> how, everybody's everybody's thinking how can I make this process faster? Yeah. How can I take this and make this? How can I make it so one person can? wash and dry a hundred pounds of greens in an hour on his own. And, and it's all, so, I mean, you see people that take, they retrofit washing machines and they turn them into green spinners. So you wash the greens and then you stick them in this little tub and then you turn it on and it just, you put it on a spin cycle and spins all the water. And then it's, then it's like, it's good. And then you see, so cool. Yeah, my friend Curtis and actually JM Jean Martin Fortier, he he's got like this mega small scale farm. It's just all about innovation. Some some guys putting a lot of money behind, but he they have this idea where they took a PVC pipe and then to to wash your greens, so you don't have to take them and dip them and then dip them and then take a a salad spinner and with a handle and spin them. So you could take like there's just a tote. And there's a PVC pipe. You take a jacuzzi bubbler, like a jacuzzi pump, and you hook it on there. You put it in water, and then it's just a bubbler. And then it gets all the slugs and all the bugs off. And then you take that out. You stick it in that automized thing. You turn that on. You take the next set of greens. And it's like, so making, so you, you do take, you take things from the factory, and you take things from, like, the, 
the old world that really no longer exists. And then you apply it on a small scale level. And I think that's what's, what's so excited about small scale farming is the innovation, man. I mean, it's like you, you know, I mean, maximizing your space, maximizing, getting the most dollars out of your space, your efforts and everything else like that. I think, I think that's, that's why I'm here. I mean, that's why I'm in this space. Cause it's, I love it. It's exciting for me. Cause otherwise I just get bored. <laughs> so uh, a ter- another term for you, yeah. you got me thinking of, you know what? So everybody knows what adaptation is. You know what exaptation is? No. Have you ever heard that? No. So what were feathers for originally in birds? It wasn't for flight. Swimming? No, it's for uh, heat dispersion. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. It's for heat dispersion. And then only after that evolved. And then how, you know, the first bird who actually then figured out that feathers actually help with loft and flight and everything. I don't know exactly how that worked out, but that's an example of something that evolved for one reason. It was then found uh, a, a second a use for something else that that's not, actually better known for now for that second use, but but for something that wasn't originally for which it wasn't originally evolved. So it's an unintended adaptation. And then, uh, thank you. That, he said that much better. I did. I of course that, I had to do the very long. He, one. he is one yeah. of the coolest humans yeah. on the planet. Yeah, well, that's it. That's very nicely done. That's my guess, not me. But <laughs> but I just want to plant that seed oh, that's for great. you. So how can you exact other things now for your thinking? So when you see yeah. other things go, how can I use that here? How can I use that here? How can I use that here? And a lot of the history of innovation is exaptation. Yeah, you know. Uh, Stephen Johnson, who wrote uh, Where Good Ideas Come From, that's the first time I saw the term exaptation. He just wrote his most recent book. It's called Wonderland, which talks about how a lot of the breakthroughs for stuff that really matters to us now came from toys, games, frivolous stuff. Uh, but it's just like paying attention and and going, hmm, that gets me thinking. You know, and then... So whenever we just dismiss all this frivolous stuff throughout history, no, that frivolous stuff has actually ended up being pretty important. You know, robotics and everything first started as um, like just little oddities, and you know, um, robots in the 1800s. You know, the, the you know some of those things that you'd go these oddities that you'd go see. Mm. In in uh, more for entertainment, yeah, more for entertainment. Oh yeah, it was like uh, the World's Fair. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Well, even before that, I mean, the World's Fair was just kind of some of the stuff, the you know, the, these curiosities uh, brought up to a much grander scale that would be in cities, you know, kind of throughout the world, and it was just strictly for fun, strictly for entertainment. Yeah, I don't know if you ever saw um, the Scorsese film um, that was based on the kids' book Hugo. He goes great. Yeah, isn't that great? Love that. It's, it's uh, fantastic. Yeah, but but you know some of those some of the machines, you know, yeah. some of those those uh, those robots and everything. The same so, thing. Yeah, that it's makes the same sense. thing. But really, a lot of that early learning came just again through these little frivolities. And what's yeah, and actually, what's interesting too is like talking to Mike McCallowitz, your fellow New Jerseyite. Um, 
you know, with profit first and his whole system, the, the cool thing about that is, you know, when you make your business and it's like, nope, it can only run on 30%. You're not getting loans. You're not doing that. You quickly think differently. You have and to. It, yeah, you have to. And I think that's what's like cool with, that's another thing I like about, you know, homesteading and we like to use the term hillbilly ingenuity. And because it's like you, you, you look at things from a way more practical approach and it's like, well, this is what I have. So this is what I have to make work. And even, you know, Mike was telling me with his leather company, they had to get uh, something in leather that was really expensive. Like the, the normal way to that you would you, you basically do this process for leather and they're like, well, we don't have the income to justify the purchase even. So, and then they just went to Home Depot and they were trying different things from ship from Home Depot, found this process that he couldn't share because now it's proprietary. And now they can do the same thing with leather at a way cheaper cost. And Brilliant. yeah, so instead of, you know, going to the bank and getting loans and setting your company up to fail pretty much, they now are way ahead of the game because it's like, well, what? you know, let's, we have to bootstrap it. So let's bootstrap it and let's make shit work. Yeah. And I think, and I, so I think that's, I mean, that's the exciting thing. It was interesting. We were having the conversation earlier and, and, and I, I go over the, I, I, I go back and forth and I know it's getting late, so we probably want to wrap it up here, but I go back and forth with automation and everything and it's like, I don't see the, the image, uh, who was it? Was it, Keysian image of automation and people don't have to work anymore and we'll all just have robots and everything. I don't see that being the case, but I do see the case of multiple small enterprises and, and things being way more affordable for a smaller guy to do because of technology like 3D printing right. and stuff like that versus, you know, oh, well, I have to have this factory. We have to have this, this huge fabrication machine and all that. So... I see innovations like that definitely taking place. So I think the economy is going to shake up. I mean, I think I think shit is going to get worse, but then it is going to. I, I think it's just going to go to what the real economy is, and it's going to adjust personally. I I like that. Yeah, I like that notion. Yeah, because I I don't think shit has to get fucked up because of the amount of financial heroin in the <laughs> system. Like it's not going to just get fixed. Like you can't just fix that. Yeah, like there has to be a crash and a withdrawal. There has to be a crash <laughs> and a withdrawal. And it's like, but what can you do to I mean, that's why I bought my house, that's why I'm here, that's why I'm like at this low, just trying to small scale my life. So it's affordable. If I need to make my money delivering food for skip the dishes and setting a schedule doing that on a ten ninety nine, I'll do it. Um, you know, then it's like I don't have kids, so I don't worry about health insurance or anything like that. And there's no more Obamacare. And no, just, I mean, the, the penalty is not necessarily there right now. Thanks, supposedly. Obama. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> so, I mean, we'll just see. But, uh, yeah, I think we, we probably want to wrap it up because it's getting late and we're at, we've been going for an hour and five minutes. So it's been fun. Yeah, man, it's been a blast. James, how can people check you out and check out your work? It's the coolest humans on all the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And uh, I talked about, about on my personal page that I like to be provoking and that kind of stuff. On the Coolest Humans pages, it's all positive, love, peace, hippie shit. Mm. Like, for real, I love <laughs> just, I go, I get up every morning and I go find cool people doing cool shit. And I post that stuff on all my different social things. I retweet 
cool, positive people. It's going to look like some Tony Robbins on mushrooms type stuff. Nice. If, you go, if you go check it out, like I just want to be the bright spot in somebody's day. Yeah. I try to find the coolest people for my show. I had, I found uh, this guy from Finland who founded the world wingsuit league and he, he learned how to jump out of a plane because he was a professional magician and he wanted to do some Houdini shit jumping out of a plane. So he did one parachute thing to do a trick and then started the world wingsuit league where they race each other in those wingsuits. You know, I got a hold of that guy. got him on there. I got a guy that ran 100 marathons in 100 days. I talked to Rob Wolf today. I'm talking to you guys. This is going to go wow. Like, I just, I, I go out and find cool people that are doing cool shit that are inspiring. I yeah. had no idea that Eero Sepinian, the guy from the World, World Wingsuit League, was going to be an inspiring podcast. He only gave me 30 minutes, but there is just a ton of inspiration from what he went through to to do what he did and the commitment he had as a child to learn shit. So, if you're into turning the thing on and being inspired or having your thoughts challenged or that kind of stuff, check out the podcast and hit me up on all the social stuff. Uh, I, I just love doing it and I, I want more people to find my stuff. It's great. That's awesome, man. I love, I like what you're doing, man. It's a very similar approach to why I got started and it's great. I'll definitely have to check out your show. Adam, the man with the plan who got us all together tonight. How can people follow your work? How can people get in touch with you and pick your brain? How can people book you to innovate for them? (laughs) Tell people about your book, too. Uh, So hit Amazon. The book is called Outsmart Your Instincts. Stinks. I have to overpronounce that. There'll be a link on the in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, Subtitle is called How the Behavioral Innovation Approach Drives Your Company Forward. It's about eight cognitive biases that are tripping up innovation and what you can do about them. Sounds really geeky. It's uh, We've actually heard from artists, from people, lawyers, engineers, everything saying, hey, I'm glad I read it. it I didn't know for sure if, if it applied to me as well. And guess what? It does. So we're, we're happy to hear that uh, beyond just our immediate client base, other people are finding some real value in it as well. Uh, it was fun to write it. I just we just really enjoyed uh, putting it all together. We're at Ideas to Go. I'm one of the uh, one of the partners there. www.ideastogo.com. It's spelled out. There's no numeral two for two in Ideas to Go, so it's T O G O. <laughs> I'm glad that you guys. I have do to that say that because we, we get asked that all the time. Is there, it like two? Is it two? No, it's no, T O G O. It's, it's, it's Togo. The, the correct. Uh, if, if we ever expand to the African country of Togo, we're already set. Ideas Togo. Huh. Uh, no, there's a country called Togo. That's right. That's right. On Twitter, I'm Ad Hansen because Adam Hansen was already taken by some guy here in Cleveland, I think. That dick. So Adam Hansen was already taken. So I'm just Ad Hansen, A D H A N S E N. I can't get James on, Miller on it. On Twitter. Well, James Miller. I mean, yeah, but. I nailed down Drew Sample before that <laughs> shitty tight end at the University of Washington. Oh, check. Yeah, but how many Adam Hansons are? You know the answer? I actually founded a Facebook group. Too. No, I founded a Facebook group because it just cracked me up. I thought it was just funny conceptually. I started a Facebook group called I Am Adam Hanson. <laughs> and I think there are like six. Start, you started inviting people? There are like 16 of us. <laughs> and I, of course, I'm the oldest one. But, nice. Uh, See so the first. Yeah, I'm the first. But uh, yeah, so I'm I'm happy to talk. I'm an innovation geek. 
I've been doing it for about 30 years. I love it. I feel very fortunate to be able to do it for a living. Um, yeah, so hit me if you have any questions about the book or you just want to talk about innovation or, you know, whatever. Great. Well, hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode and looking forward to bringing you another one soon.